Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. I want to talk about edge rushers. 49ers definitely need edge help. Why is that? Because they have a ton of free agents right now. Samson Ebicom, Charles Aminihue, Jordan Willis, uh, just to name a few. And that's not including a guy like Kerry Hyder that's played on the inside, played on the outside. The 49ers usually spend a pretty good amount of their salary cap space in one position. John Lynch talking at the Combine, talked again about their commitment to the defensive line. They have Nick Bosa, the, the league-leading sack leader. But opposite of him, they've had Samson Ebicom and Charles Aminihue that have gotten five to four and a half sacks. That is just what they've provided opposite. Can the 49ers upgrade that? Or do you just bring back Ebicom and Charles Aminihue, depending on how much you can sign them for, and roll it back, run it back with what you have? I think that's a big decision. But the way you go about it first is you have to evaluate the field and who fits what the 49ers do. Are there any guys that are big time that can potentially put you over the top defensively? And all the while, are there also some cheap options you might turn to? We've seen the 49ers go this route with Hyder, uh, you know, trading for Charles and who are re-signing Jordan Willis. This is just something they do. They want to have a consistent rotation of edge players that not only can rush the passer, but can also set the edge against the run. That is one thing that's been very significant. Now, they haven't been afraid of taking chances and getting a guy that maybe was a 3-4 outside linebacker like E. Ford or like Samson Ebucom. So you might see some of those guys in this conversation that we have because if the 49ers have a formula, you want to take advantage of it. Now, who is a guy that could potentially play opposite of Bosa? Well, you want somebody that really is either quick or very experienced and very technical with their hands because you need somebody that's going to be able to put pressure 
and allow for Nick Bosa to get more one-on-ones than he gets right now. Right now, the 49ers have to play games. They have to move guys inside and out to find areas to create pressure opposite of Bosa. Bosa is getting two, sometimes three defenders, or sorry, offensive linemen going his way, and the rest of the guys are attributing to those other defenders. So the 49ers definitely need to address this situation. Do I expect them to address it in a, address in a variety of ways? Yes. Do I expect some of the 49ers edge guys to return? Yes. Do I expect Drake Jackson to have a bigger impact in 2023? Yes. Do I expect the 49ers to go through free agency and sign someone? Yeah. Do I expect them to draft players as well? Yes. All of the above. That's what the 49ers are about. Loading up on the front seven along that defensive line. I fully expect them to do that here. Now, we're going to go through a list of players that, you know, I kind of cherry-picked, and you guys have other ones you want me to talk about. I'll leave them in the comment section down below. I'll definitely get to those uh, because I do want to talk about all the options, and I've heard lots of players being mentioned along the way. We'll kind of go into some of those, you know, as we go through this because I've seen 49ers content creators. I've seen media talk about players that would make sense for the 49ers, and it's pretty much been a wide spectrum. What I did is I tried to go through and go through the characteristics that I talked about earlier. Either you're a guy that's very experienced, that understands what to do with your hands, or you're a guy that potentially has a lot of speed. And then I threw in a couple of guys that are maybe flying under the radar the 49ers could bring in as guys that are very cheap options that wouldn't count against your you know, potential 51 highest contract, but could pay dividends in obvious pass-down situations. So... Uh, there's a definite way I went about this, and my angle is finding somebody that's going to be best for Bosa. And I think the first thing we have to decide is, you know, do we move on from a Samson Ebucom? Uh, Samson Ebucom, since he came over for the, from the Rams, has been very consistent. Uh, with the Rams, he averaged four and a half sacks. With the 49ers, first year, four and a half sacks. Last year, career-high five sacks. He played in 15 games. Last year, 17 the year before. So he's consistently on the field. And I think that is something to remember as well. It's very important. Now, Ebucom plays well against the run. He's done a good job. I think he was better against the run in 2021 than he was in 2022. Uh, but he's definitely somebody you can count on. And the 49ers were paying him a little over $6 million And his market value is not going to go up that much. He's going to be kind of in the $7.5, $8 million range. So you want to kick him a little bit of extra money and bring him back. You could definitely do that. We know he's well-liked. I do believe, though, that they expected more from Samson Ebicom. I think when they signed him away from the Rams, number one, they didn't know what they were going to give a D4. They didn't know Ford was going to be a guy that came in on obvious pass downs. But I think they thought Samson Ebicom could be that caliber of player, that speed rush guy off the edge. He was a guy that could run sideline to sideline as an off-ball linebacker. That's not what we've gotten from Ebicom so far he's made some definite improvements he's done a pretty good job i think last year he was dealing with some injuries uh but five sacks is you want more than that i think the 49ers really believed he could be a 10 sack guy opposite of bosa and if he was it would change the game for sure so you have to decide on ebicom and if you decide you need more production from him then you could go another route then there's question marks if you bring him back as a role player i don't think you can at seven and a half eight million dollars uh, but if you know his market's not there outside, which probably will be because there's a market for every edge rusher, then potentially could come back for cheap. So Samson Ebicom is the first decision. And I think after that, you have to decide about Charles Aminahue. Charles Aminahue has been great for the 49ers. Four and a half sacks, you know, uh, played all 17 games, played more snaps than Samson Ebicom, in fact, 
And he played a lot of those snaps on the interior and a lot outside. And we know the 49ers value that role that a many who played. Uh, we kind of you know coined it the Arden Key role last year. And then now it was Charles Amenehu's role. And I thought he did a very good job in it. He put a lot of pressure on the quarterback and did what the 49ers asked him. But he was making $870,000 last year. This year, he's going to get a significant raise. So are the 49ers potentially ready to just give him a Samson Ebucom? Maybe they let Ebucom walk and they give Amenehu the $6.5 million they were given Ebucom before. That would be a significant raise for Charles Amenehu. And he'd probably be willing to come back under those circumstances. So the 49ers could easily go that way. But once again, is five sacks enough? And I know if he probably played on the edge, you could probably add a couple of more to that. But is seven sacks enough? It could be opposite of both sides. I do think they're looking for an impact player. I think they'd love to have Ebucom or Charles Amenehu or both back, uh, but under the right amount of money and in the right circumstance. I think they're looking for somebody that could really change the game on the outside. That's why John Lynch in 2019, or the offseason before the 2019 season, was willing to make the trade for D4 to give up a second-round pick. He knew what adding that speed element opposite of Bosa was going to mean. And in, in that case, it was actually before Bosa even got drafted. But they knew they needed that speed element and what it could do for the defense. And I think they've been missing that since D Ford's injury. They thought Ebicom was going to be the answer. He's not. Amenehu is not the speed option. And really on this defensive line, the four years have Drake Jackson. If they feel Drake Jackson can take that next step and be the guy, then they could potentially have Drake ready to go and then sign other guys to be role players. And it would change everything. It would be a lot cheaper along that defensive line. But I don't think they're really going to spend in the interior defensive line. They have Armstead. They have Kinlaw. They have a lot of backups. I think they'll re-sign Hassan Ridgeway. They'll go cheap on the interior. I think they're going to put a lot of focus on the edge rushers. So we can talk about some of those guys. So let's just say they decide not to bring back Aminahu and Ebucom. Where do they go? I think one of the, the big names on the open market is going to be uh, Yannick Ngagwe. Uh, got traded from the Raiders to the Colts, and he just had himself another really good season. Not 30 years old yet, still 28. Uh, he's had multiple years where he's had nine or more sacks. That was no different from this year. He, he had nine and a half sacks for the Indianapolis Colts, rushing with 49ers former player, uh, you know, DeForest Buckner. So Ngagwe's been around Jacksonville, Oak, or Oakland, Las Vegas, and, and then now with the Colts. And he's a very experienced guy, has a lot of ex, uh, really good skills, good hand placement, pretty good bend around the edge. You're figuring if he had nine and a half sacks for the Colts, he'll probably have more than that playing for the 49ers. He would be a legit option. But here's where it gets interesting. The money, $14 million. Opposite of Bosa, can you afford to play some, pay someone $14 million when you've been already paying or you're already going to be paying Nick Bosa one of the highest contracts for a non-quarterback in the history of the NFL? I think that's a big question. Now, the 49ers potentially or were in on Chandler Jones last year. The rumors were Chandler Jones. It came down to the 49ers and the Raiders, and he ended up going Raiders. So he got $17 million. So could the 49ers be in that range? Said they're willing to give that one big contract. Last year was Mooney Ward. He got you know close to $12 million on the open market. Could it be somebody like Yannick Ngagwe this year? It potentially could. I think if the 49ers have their way, they'd like to find someone that's a little bit cheaper, uh, but age definitely is in the right category. Finding someone under 30 is important, unless you're going to find someone over 30 that makes it more cost-effective that you feel can still get it done. So 30 is not like a terrible number unless you're signing someone to a long-term deal. So 
signing someone to a long-term deal, you want them on the this side of the 30. Signing them to a short deal, they can be on the other side. So Yannick Ngagwe is definitely an option, but at a $14 million potential hit, that's what's projected. Uh, that's a lot of money to be allocating to the opposite side of Bosa when you're about to pay him a significant amount of cash. Uh, Arden Key. A lot of people have been bringing up Arden Key. Hey, let's bring Arden Key back. We let him go in free agency. He went to Jacksonville, got a pretty good contract. We replaced him with a cheaper option in Charles Aminahue. Aminahue did not reach the numbers that Arden Key had. Uh, Key had a great season for the 49ers in 2021. He was better at sacks. To me, he was a little bit more explosive than Charles Aminahue was. And he went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they've seemed to be very happy with him as well. Uh, his sack numbers went down from what they were in for, with the 49ers. He got four and a half, but his market value went up. He's expected to make uh, $11.5 million on the open market. I don't know if the 49ers will be willing to pay him 11.5 when you could potentially get the same or better production from Charles Aminahue and Samson Ebucon. So I, I know we really like Arden Key and the ability that he has, the flexibility to do the things that he does. Uh, but you have cheaper options in Ebicom and Charles Aminahue that you can you can sign, re-sign, that do the same things that Arden Key does. And it's not like Arden Key had a bad year. Four and a half sacks is great, and there's a lot of other things that he did with pressures and things. But when you go number for number, it's really close, and you've got a cheaper option with the other two. So for me, as much as I'd like to see Arden Key come back, this one doesn't make as much sense unless Chris Kacerik believes, yeah, he had four and a half sacks for Jacksonville, but if you put him in our system, and start him opposite Bosa, uh, he could have more. My belief is that's not the case. I think when Arden Key had his most success playing for the 49ers was on the interior. And I don't think you're going to sign someone for his own role, the Arden Key role, uh, at this amount of money to play those interior snaps. I think you can find other guys that can do it, including someone you already have on the roster, Drake Jackson. So Drake Jackson could be inclined to take over that Arden Key role this year. You've had Arden Key, you had Charles Aminahue, and now I believe it could be Drake Jackson's role this year. Even though most want it to be Jackson on the outside, opposite of Bosa consistently, I don't know if he's at that level at setting the edge and stopping the run. He does have an entire offseason, though, to get stronger, to get better at it. And I'm not going to put anything against him. He's very athletic. He's tremendously intelligent. So we can definitely figure it out and pull it off. But uh, I think that's kind of where the 49ers are trending. So Arden Key, I'm not too sure about. But if you have different thoughts, let me know about it. Now let's talk about Justin Houston. Uh, now we're getting to someone that's a little bit older. Uh, Houston, you know, is is a guy that's 34 years old, and that's a that's pretty old for an edge rusher. But he's still doing it at a very high level. He had nine and a half sacks in 2022. I mean, that is basically Ebucom and Ebucom uh, and Charles Aminahue's production within one player. So he was able to do that. Now, at this point in his career, he's definitely, you know, aged farther, can't have as many snaps as he used to. But if you could bring this guy in as an edge presence on third down, you got to think it's a way to go. We talked about earlier about a guy who understands all the techniques, veteran presence, who knows how to use his hands, can still bend the quarter and, corner and get to the quarterback. Justin Houston makes a lot of sense, especially with his projected number being $5.2 million. That is cheaper than what Samson Ebucom was over the last two seasons and could potentially be pretty close to what you were going to pay Charles Amenahue. So at $5.2 million, it's not a long-term situation where you can bring in Houston and he can solidify that right side of Bosa, but it could be a stopgap or it could be an, a combination of a couple of players 
including Drake Jackson and Justin Houston working together to fill that role opposite of Bosa. To me, Justin Houston makes a lot of sense. We've talked about this over the last several years on this channel about guys coming in, ring chasing, taking a little bit less money, kind of that Ricky Jackson 1994 mold. I think Justin Houston definitely is a guy that could fit into that category, and I would be very happy if the 49ers signed him. We've been talking about him for two years on this channel that we would like to get him to San Francisco. Next up is Robert Quinn, and he's familiar to 49er fans, uh, was with the, the Rams, then he was with the Bears. And, you know, with the Bears two years ago, he had 18 and a half sacks. Spectacular. So that's that's what Bosa did this year. So uh, Robert Quinn's got a lot of ability. Another guy on the opposite side of 30 as he's 33 years old. But he hasn't had a lot of production over the last two seasons. Only one sack last year for Philadelphia. He was a backup as part of their very, very impressive defensive rotation. But are you going to get on the field with Graham and with Hassan Reddick on, you know, out there in front of you, probably not. So Quinn is a guy that hasn't had a lot of production. So I think he becomes an option for the 49ers because when he played for the Rams and then also when he played in Chicago, he had Khalil Mack on the other side in Chicago. But when he has a very dominant pass rusher, his numbers go up. So potentially Robert Quinn opposite of Nick Bosa could be just what the doctor ordered for Quinn, not to mention the amount of money that he's going to make because he's had two years where his numbers have been down is going to be highly diminished. A guy that made $14 million last year, definitely not going to make $14 million. But at this point in his career, he might be looking for a, maybe a one-year prove-it type contract so that way he can get back on the field, make an impact. And why not do it with Nick Bosa, who you know is going to get a lot of attention, get you a lot of one-on-ones, and you can get to the quarterback. You understand the NFC West and all those dynamics, and you could have an opportunity to make some plays and then potentially make a little bit more money after that. But you're 33 years old, so you don't have a lot of contracts left in you, but if you're willing to do it, roll the dice. Maybe you can get another one. You could do like Justin Houston and improve your value from age 33 to 34 and maybe reclaim some of that glory that you had just two years earlier where you had 18 and a half sacks. But Robert Quinn, to me, is a guy... I think that could be on a list for the 49ers, especially if his number ends up being low, which it could be from all the production falling off. Next up is Melvin Ingram. And Ingram's been a guy that you know has played with uh, Nick's brother, Joey, down you know with the Chargers. And so uh, Melvin Ingram, 33 years old, same as Robert Quinn. So we're, we're in that range. He made $4 million last year and had six sacks for the Miami Dolphins. So he was rushing opposite of Jalen Phillips was a lot of times a guy that came in on third down, but still got some you know some juice left in there. So I think Melvin Ingram, another guy that could be a very cheap option, that makes sense as part of your rotation. He can come in and be a part of your second team unit, but also can put pressure on. The 49ers need a steady rotation of guys that can put pressure on. And because he's going to be cheaper, uh, he's definitely an option. Now, do I think he's a starting guy opposite of Bosa? I wouldn't say that, but I do think he's a guy... That could come in and help out along the way, especially if you believe that Drake Jackson is going to be that guy or you want somebody to come in where him and Houston could work together uh, to do that. So Melvin Ingram, a possibility for the 49ers in free agency as far as edge rusher. Now, next up is Carl Lawson. Now, Carl Lawson has not been released yet by the Jets, but he's scheduled to make close to $15 million this season. And he has no guaranteed money. So they can release him and save all that money 
And it looks like he could be a cap casualty, especially with them in the mix trying to get Aaron Rodgers and big-time quarterbacks like Derek Carr. They might need that money, and Lawson at that point would become somebody that they release. Uh, Lawson was with the Bengals a couple years ago. His numbers have went up as a pass rusher. Now, in 2021, he suffered an Achilles injury, had no sacks. But in his first year back in 2022, he had seven sacks. He's definitely someone the 49ers were interested in when he was leaving Cincinnati. Robert Sala went to the Jets, and he got him. So Lawson played in a style very similar to what the 49ers do along the defensive line. And now you could potentially get him with Chris Kacerik, a guy. Now he'll be a, a full season removed from an Achilles. You got to figure the explosiveness is back. Just built like a, a brick house. I mean, the dude's crazy, strong, and fast. Lawson might make a lot of sense for the 49ers. And potentially, because he's still trying to prove it, not as expensive as what might you know have been. Uh, he's definitely not going to get the $15 million type contract he got from the Jets a couple years ago. But it doesn't mean he won't get a pretty good one. But I think he would fit within the 49ers price range. He's not going to fit you know, the top Yannick Ngagwe type money. Um, but he's also not going to be crazy like, you know, low either. And none of that Marcus Davenport, you know, $23 million a year. I don't think the 49ers are even willing to go that way at all. Uh, that's just too much money with Bosa going to be on the books. Now, here's a guy that's going to be really cheap, uh, Chase Winovich. Uh, Winovich, of course, out of Michigan, drafted by the New England Patriots. His first two years, 2019 and 2020, he had five and a half sacks for the Patriots. Then he really struggled in his third year, and then he was let go. He played last year with Cleveland and only had one sack. But does anyone play good in Cleveland? That's the real question besides Miles Garrett. So I think that Winovich is a guy that would make sense in an obvious pass-down role. We talked earlier about Samson Ebucom, a guy that played in a 3-4 style defense and then put his hand in the ground and did a pretty good job. D Ford, 3-4 defense, hand in the ground, did a pretty good job. So I think that Winovich would make sense for the 49ers, especially as a rotational piece. I'm not expecting him to start with Bosa or anything like that, but as a guy that could come in, potentially replace a carry Hyder as far as an edge presence. They want to keep Hyder on the inside. That's a different story because of his versatility. But Winovich on third down, I think the Foyers could look to improve speed on third down, and maybe he's an option that the 49ers could potentially go to. And I, I don't see why he wouldn't make sense for them. Uh, potentially they could get close to you know that amount of five, you know, five and a half sacks. That would be huge for the 49ers. And then last on the list, uh, Agbania. Okay, Aronquo, or uh, okay, Aronquo. I'm struggling with the name, doing the best I can. Uh, but this is a guy I, I enjoyed watching. He was with the Houston Texans this season. Uh, he was with the Rams before. Kind of the same thing as Samson Ebucom. Now he's been playing three, four outside linebacker uh, for a couple of years now. And he's done a really good job. He came out of Oklahoma. He's very explosive off the edge, but he had five sacks. He's only 27 years old. So potentially he could be a low priced free agent that you bring in to replace Samson Ebicom and what he does. I think he's a developing guy. Uh, I think he could put a little bit more size on his frame and be even more impactful along the defensive line. So he's somebody that you could possibly look at as well to bring in and see what kind of impact he can make. But another guy with a quick first step, him, Winovich, guys like that make a lot of sense for the 49ers as they look to bring a element off the edge and be able to help 49ers defensive pass rush. It could be as simple as Ebucom and, and Charles Aminahue, or you know, uh, they could be all in on Drake Jackson. 
but I do think Drake Jackson is still developing. I think the 49ers, if they brought back Ebucom, they wouldn't be able to bring back Charles Aminiu. So I think it's an Andor situation, or it could be none if they decide to go big on one of these free agents. What would you do if you were John Lynch in this in this 49ers front office? Would you pay $14 million to have Yannick Ngagwe come in? Do you want to pay you know $12 million to have Arden Key come back to San Francisco? I want to know, you know, maybe you're a Justin Houston guy. You're, hey, let's bring guys in on the end of their contract. Let's bring in Justin Houston and Carl Lawson and have those two guys uh, that can make an impact. Uh, that's a lot better than bringing in one guy like Ngagwe or one guy like Arden Key. I think those are all valid points. And I'm curious what you have to say. Let me know about what you think about this free agent uh, edge rush class and who would you bring in. And if you would just roll it back with the guys that we already have, let me know going to be a lot of fun free agency is just around the corner but thank you guys all so much for watching the episode uh looking forward to more content coming out here pretty soon it's an absolute blast to get into free agency and then the draft going to be a lot of fun thanks for coming by and until the next time stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers